guys, today we're going to be talking about a topic that impacts every person on the planet and can be used for good or for bad. Before we dive into this great conversation with one of the most humble, wise, winsome leaders I know, I'm extremely excited that Jordy Vickery, Chris Meekins, oh yeah, smooth and I, Scott Lessing, we're going to walk through <laughs> leadership with, with a guy who's really impacted my life, all of our lives through his leadership. Um, while indirectly growing our leadership beyond what we ever thought would be possible. Well, let's define leadership and, and what it is and who it's for. So um, there was a, an interview that Jacob Morgan did. He interviewed 14 of the top CEOs, and they were asked this one question. It's a really interesting question. If I came from another planet and had no concept of leader or leadership, how would you explain it to me? And the article says that these guys, men and women, they, they really struggled, which is why I believe that leadership is so challenging for so many, and, and even, I think, why so many people abdicate their calling in leadership. But here's a few of their answers. Kathy Mazzarelli, the CEO of Graybar, said this, leadership is about helping others realize their potential and inspiring them to work with you to achieve a shared vision for the future. Hans Vestberg, CEO of Verizon Communications, he said this, ensuring that people have everything they need to achieve their missions of an organization. That's it. All else is footnotes. And then Bernard Tyson, former CEO of Kaiser Permanente, the healthcare uh, company, he said this, a leader focuses on both the vision of the future and the possibility and the, the hard realities of the present and the lessons learned of a past. A person who inspires others, someone who is walking, a walking symbol of humility. Now, I think there's a lot of books and theories on leadership and leaders, which we could all just be inundated with. But if we were to boil it all down, all of these statements and books and podcasts and everything else on leadership, I think it's simply influencing others who are in your circles of influence. And this is what we see in the Bible in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 is influencing those in your circles of influence. And it's really about for greater kingdom impact when we look at it biblically. But what kind of a person determines the value of your influence? That's what we're talking about today. So who is leadership for? In other words, is everyone a leader? I believe biblically the answer is yes. Everyone has the opportunity to lead well or to lead poorly. And Matthew 28, 18 through 20 calls all followers of Jesus to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. And this means that we're all called to influence those in our circles of influence, all of those people around us for the sake of God's kingdom. So if you're married, you lead. If you have kids, you lead. If you have a job, you lead in some capacity. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've been called to lead for his kingdom. So leadership is not only for ministry leaders or business leaders. So, so here it is. You've heard it on our podcast, Pressing On, that we've defined leadership as this, influencing others who are in your circles of influence. And your leadership impacts every person on the planet, and it can be used for good or for bad. Hmm. Well, now that we've gotten through that and we've kind of set the stage, let's, let's talk through leadership with our senior pastor at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights in Olmstead Falls, Pastor Jonathan Schaefer. 
Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Do that one more time, man. <laughs> what do you think of that, Pastor? God, I feel so honored. That's <laughs> cool. Well, I thought it'd be perfect if we had the guy who was on the hiring committee mm. 23 years ago. That means Chris is old. I and am. Jonathan's getting there. That 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 you would introduce our senior pastor at Grace Church, Chris. Well, as, as some of you know, you know he's been here for twenty three years. And when we uh, were just moving into the new facility, which is twenty three years ago, uh, Jonathan's dad has been the senior pastor. He's the first full time pastor ever at Grace Church. And we were going through some changes. There was a lot of changes going on. And so uh, one, of the, one of the guys, uh, one of the pastors left. And so uh, we were looking to hire another pastor. And Jonathan's name came up. And, you know, everybody was like, well, you just can't hire the pastor's kid, you know. You know God sounds forbid. like nepotism. Yeah, there. nepotism <laughs> and everything. But I had, I had seen Jonathan when he was still in college. Uh, I remember the first time he preached on a Sunday night, he had a suit on. I, did you borrow that suit? <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, big on him. Yeah. Do you remember? I think it was like yeah, a white, white, college, a yeah. white gray suit. I, yeah. I do. I remember. Wow. And he preached in college. And I remember sitting there going, "Wow, he might be better than his dad." Which you know, you didn't say that. But anyway, so we, um, so we interviewed him and a couple other people. It was, it was a, it was very process because uh, his dad pastor he's the only pastor i've ever had sorry jonathan yeah but uh pastors it's like you know it's it's time we have to do a transition mm -hmm. and so we we uh we started interviewing and he came and he preached and it was like okay he he his his message was so well prepared and we've come to realize that on a daily on a weekly basis here but anyway he uh he gave his message and so we had a, a meeting and we uh, the committee and we sat around and we talked about it and uh and you know me, I, I'm like, well, I want to know what everybody really thinks. Because, you know, his dad was in yeah. the room. Uh, Steve Harper was in the room. And we asked the other pastors to leave the room so that everyone would give an honest opinion. Not that, you know, people lie. But, but you when, wanna... you have your, when you have a candidate's father right in the room, you're <laughs> yeah. going like, hey, yeah. it's going to be hard to speak. Right. And, yeah. and Steve Harper and you went to school together. Right. And so I just felt like it was important to do it. Steve is still mad at me about that. I just want to share that with you. But, but I went around the room and I asked, I want to know what exactly you think. And we asked everyone the question. Everyone's like, absolutely. And we did that because I didn't want anybody ever going back saying, well, you hired pastor's son and i was like no we hired jonathan schaefer it was such an unusual situation oh yeah we even mm. had the congregation vote the elders didn't really think that was necessary but i said no i, I want to know is the church family this is so mm. you know a, a unique situation and so that was about the only pastor we ever voted on as a congregation yeah. was wow. and like and that. we and it was a four-year it was supposed to be a four-year thing where it's going to be uh jonathan did 25 percent. his dad did 70 percent. then the second year he, it was 50 50 and then by the third year his dad's like yeah you just take over you know <laughs> yeah. but and, and so his dad stayed on so jonathan uh you've been a blessing to me and my family even uh -huh. though you're like 20 years younger than me so <laughs> I, I, i've no. learned i've learned to listen to you a yeah. couple times and we'll talk about that a little bit later but thank you for coming on our program uh, jordy you know you're you probably are the youngest guy i mean here with us obviously but you've been sitting under jonathan's leadership for just around three years right yeah what has it been like for you how is jonathan you know a, a quick snippet how how has he impacted you yeah i actually interned here at grace and i was like this is a picture of the kind of like leadership i'd want to be under and the kind of church i'd want to work at 
but there were no positions open. I didn't think it would actually be here, but this was like kind of an image or something to aspire to. And so about a year after that, I remember Jonathan contacting me and saying, Hey, the board's voted and they're going to present you for like a final decision. And he goes, that kind of means you're hired though. So I was just super grateful for the last couple of years and really proud to tell people, you know, that there's nothing behind closed doors, no like secrets or things. We wouldn't want the congregation to know it's just a healthy place. And I attribute that to Jonathan. Jonathan, I know that this is so hard for you. Like, like you, you are so humble, and you're like, oh, just move just on. Move on. Exactly. <laughs> well, you guys can but, talk about uh, me if you want to, because right. I'm all. You know. Well, let's let's move Next on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been here for 16 and a half years. Wow. My family and I. Um, eight of those years were uh, as a congregant um, when I was in the medical world, and the last eight and a half years have been on staff and. Jonathan, you've impacted not just me and my leadership. You've impacted Maureen. You've impacted Carter and Callie, my kids, and you've really you've really helped us take those next steps in our journey with Jesus and to become a better version of ourselves, which is what this podcast is all about. You've done that for us as a family, not just for me as a leader. So for that, I thank you a lot, and it's just it's an honor for us to have you on today. I love serving alongside you guys. I want to say I admire you, and I'm just grateful to be part of the Grace family. All the people listening to say. Uh, we get a chance to to serve Jesus together. So thanks. I'm glad to be here today. I think one thing that's fun for us, too, doing the podcast is that there are going to be a lot of people who are listening who don't even know what Grace Church is. They don't know who we are, um, but they get to hear from uh, just a fantastic leader. So we appreciate you being on here. Um, and, you know, for the last 33 years, you've been journeying, or I'm sorry, for the last 23 years, you've been journeying here at, at Grace, and you were 33 years old when you came on staff. Yeah as the senior pastor, one of the things that you've done for the last 23 years is leading guys who are either 20 years older than you or 20 years younger than you or the same age as you. If this was your starting point, what were some things that you used to influence or that's what leadership is, is influencing those around us. What were some of the things that you used to influence or lead these people? What of those things are you still using today? Big question, but yeah. we're going to start oh, out. Great, big. great. You know, what's interesting is not only was that true in the church family, but that was also true in the staff team. I mm. came in and I was the youngest guy in the staff, but wow. I was being called to lead guys who were all older than I was mm. and as a senior pastor. And if there's a, a couple things I'd say, and, and I, don't, I don't want to answer any of these questions too long because we have a lot of things we'd like to cover, I'm sure. But there was a sense for me early on where I said, Jesus, the only time you describe yourself with character traits uh, was in Matthew chapter 11. You said, I am humble and gentle in heart. Mm. And if you were, you know, many would say, when you think of influence in the world today, well over 2 billion people following Jesus, his leadership influence, exponential. And yet it came back to humility and gentleness. And so mm. I, I, I thought, Lord, would you help me to be humble? And And that shows, I think, in the sense of, I don't have all the answers. Do I listen well? And 1 Timothy 5, when Paul says, don't rebuke an older man harshly, but appeal to him as if he were your father. I really was conscious of that, that when I'm leading people, I remember my dad and I getting into some disagreements and, and needing to say, how do, this is literally my dad, not appealing to him as if he were your father, but he is my father. Yeah. And, and a guy I've always admired, how do, how do we disagree? And and sometimes saying it might take a little bit longer to get to the destination, 
but honoring people in the process and listening and saying, well, would you pray through that? Let that percolate mm. a little bit. I'd love to come back to that and just see what you're thinking in a few days. Um, so humility. And then another one would be, we've talked about this at Grace, that the power of integrity, the who versus the what, that who I am under the surface, the kind of soul that I'm developing is one author, Tom Spiker says that that translates to being 75% of your effectiveness. And you mm. guys, we all know leaders, and for me it's been personally, you know, I've had a leadership role in the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and in my role that means that sometimes the worst offenses bubble up to the top. Mm. And you hear stuff and you go, my heart absolutely aches. I can't believe yeah. that the enemy took that person down. And so I won't mention some of the names, but there are people I've known that have been nationally known or internationally known leaders that I've... I've talked to personally, and to say, it all got cashed in. The books they've written, the people they've led to Christ, mm. all of that. Now they're, some of them are, you know, they're gone. Uh, but other ones who are still alive, you say, you've you've gone off the rails. And so the in- power of integrity. I think what Jordy said. One thing I always tell people I appreciate about my dad is that he was the same person in private that he was in public. There was no difference. Mm. And so do I live a life like that? And that's why I think you guys have that pressing on theme, Philippians chapter 3, that uh, we're going after Jesus, knowing him. It's more about that kind of heart as opposed to just having leadership principles in place. You know, one of the things that I was thinking of, my wife, Joyce, maybe you guys don't know, used to be on staff here as the women's director. And, we miss uh, her. We miss her, by the way. Yeah. We well, miss you, too. I don't, because she empties the dishwasher now. I don't have to do that <laughs> yeah. anymore. Now that she's not working. You are so <laughs> wrong, man. She's so a, wrong. She's a dynamic leader as well. Uh, but anyway, as we were, as she was coming on staff, we were thinking, how do we do this? How do we do this? And we always used to think about uh, Jonathan and his dad. And, and when you came down to everything, here's what they'd say. Point people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You want to know how to yeah. lead? Point people to Jesus. Because we were like, how are we going to do this ministry? Let's just make sure we point people to Jesus. I'm, his dad used to do that. Anyway, so one of the questions uh, we were talking about earlier as we were, we were getting ready for this is that, um, Jonathan, when you're dealing with older people um, like myself, um, I'm in my 60s, and uh, we, we had talked about um, dealing with younger people your age. And at that time, I was a, probably 20 years ago, I was you know in my... I'm 20, uh, yeah, I was in my teens. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like I'm like 12 years older than you, or something like that. So I'll tell a little, real quick story. There was a guy that was Jonathan was on staff, and there was this guy who was a friend of mine. He left, and I wrote this scathing email to Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, I was like, "You're like," and I and I, I not only wrote it to him, I made sure that his wife Mary saw it on their home <laughs> address. I was so mad. I'm typing away, you know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and he called me up. He's like, "Hey, man, what's that all about?" But he wanted to get together with me and have a conversation with me. And so he met me at Panera Bread, and he he wrote about uh, he wrote an answer. Said, actually, I, we had brought it with us. It's Jonathan's heart for Chris, I, and I have the paper right in front of me, and it's five points for me to follow from now on when I write him <laughs> an email. <laughs> And it, it was, you know, email was becoming more and more popular, and we were realizing that that's how we had to communicate. But you were able to talk to me where I, when I left that meeting, is that you really valued my relationship, and you invested in me, and and you were able to 
communicate with me in a way that nobody else could. And so how did, how did you pull that off without going, hey, Meekins, you're, yeah. you're, I'm the boss here. I mean, especially older guys, and especially in the climate we're in today. Well, yeah. and you could have. You could have said that. Right, and to say, and I think that's where that sense of, am I being reactive or redemptive? Mm. And wow. and I think, Chris, in my relationship uh, with you, and really with men and women at Grace and, and in my life, I'm glad in the last paragraph here, I wrote on that sheet that Chris <laughs> is talking about from years ago, yeah. I wrote down, remember, Chris, I love and value you, and I want a relationship to grow stronger. Otherwise, I wouldn't take the risk in sharing these things with you. I admire you and look forward to the future God has for us. I wanted it to be clear that when we left, that even if there were some raw things, either way, you know, you might have said, wow, it could have been better if you did this, that there'd be a sense of Chris knows I have his back. Yeah. And that's one of the, when I, what I wrote here is one of the things I'll say when I have tough conversations, I'll say, if I didn't really care about you and your future, I, I wouldn't even have this conversation. Because it'd be, why would I take the risk? Just delete. This is, yeah, this is difficult. But, but because I know that God has great things in store for you, I want you to be everything he wants you to be. And uh, so you're, you're gracious to bring that conversation up. And, and how, many years ago, that, how many years ago was that? Well, it was at least 20 years ago. It I was, was going to say it was, maybe, We were in the building program. We okay, in, in the building program. But I look now, Chris, to say I have such admiration. And I'm not just blowing smoke here. Mm. I have admiration for you mm-hmm. and Joyce. The reason we can't go mm-hmm. to affirmations about you is we'd go on for a long time. Right, right. But I think that sense of how God is... There wasn't like our relationship went uh, downhill. It was more, if we can talk about that, man, we can talk about a lot of raw stuff. Mm. And you've challenged me in a couple things in the intervening years that it was like, wow, that's a little bit, he's saying I sort of made a mistake, but I feel like he wants me to be a better person and a better man, a better husband, a better father. So in, in the society today, so we've got a guy sitting there that's done with his career and he doesn't have the influence. You know how do we how do we share truth with them, or they? Okay, wait a minute. They share truth with the people in their life. Yeah, Chris, if I can come back to one thing you did with me, and and it was that you did something privately. Uh, mm. Chris had a time. There was a time I was speaking in class, and um, I won't go into it publicly here because, but it was something I shared about my family, mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that someone did that was criminal right. or anything like right. that. But it was something that he goes. If your child were to hear that, I think it'd put undue pressure on them and might make it a... And, and he, so two things. He came to me privately. He said it in a way that he, he said, can we talk about mm-hmm. something here I think mm-hmm. could help you to become... Maybe it's going to help you in the future. He could have just come in, either in public and go, I can't believe you're sharing that publicly. This is ridiculous. I'd never... I didn't feel shamed at all. I felt like, wow, if he has something he's going to tell me... He's going to come and talk to me privately and personally. And I think when we're dealing with other people, older people, younger people, to say, do they believe that the way we approach it, because that's often is the delivery, is not the content, it's the delivery, that, um, wow, they're they're in my corner. And I think he kind of wraps it up saying, respect. I showed you respect 
because you showed me respect. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, someone needs to be the bigger man and it might as well be Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think my question is just, do we still have this email? <laughs> and how much is a copy? Oh my gosh. That's man. the great question. Right? Can I we, would pay uh, good money. Yeah, that I'd could be like, a, like, hey, if you listen to every episode of this podcast, we'll mail you Chris's <laughs> to Jonathan. Um, I, I would love that. Um, Pastor Jonathan, you shepherd a, a large platform. This church has a large reach. We often say this is a regional church and many leaders aspire to have much influence. You know, I think everyone, they don't want to lead one person to Christ. They want to lead many or have a positive impact on a lot of people. Is there anything unique that coincides with having such a large reach? Yeah. We talked about the power of integrity, the life of our soul, giving attention to what's under the surface. One thing that I think over the years that has probably shifted or changed or become even more accentuated is the power of our words. In Proverbs 18, 21, it, it talks about, there's just that simple phrase where it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And I think in my role, you know, we went from being a staff when I got here of maybe eight to now we're, I don't know, probably 60 to 70. Yeah. And also in that time, the social media aspect, email, oh things gosh. going viral, or things that I say in a message from a platform. It used to be I could you know, give an illustration about someone I knew in another state or someone from college. Now you wonder, is that person listening? Right. And you have to really... But I think the power of words that probably each one of us can look back and say, someone spoke a word of affirmation into my life about seeing God's gifting in my life that really was like water to my soul. Mm. And likewise, we've heard words that still ring in our ears that we say, that still is a wound in my life. And so I think as we, when you're leading, the larger the platform, your words have huge impact. And, and do I recognize that? And I think in the New Testament where Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. So are my words bulldozing or are they building up? And he says, if they build others up, he says that it may benefit those who listen. So I think there can be a sense of we're affirming in public to say, like when I look at Jordan, I go, for a guy your age to lead the way you do thoughtfully, and I think all of us would yeah, look and say, sure. wow, God's hand is on Jordy and the maturity that you have. And I hear that from people, speaking of leading up age-wise, yeah. I, I have people who are like in their 40s and 50s going, I am so glad my kids are in that youth group. That guy has maturity way beyond what I had when I was his age. For sure. I mean, yeah. my kids feel that way. I know as parents, like... We are thrilled, Jordy, that you are leading, and you've impacted my leadership. I, and that, that's just that that leading up is it's a challenge to do that, but you do that so well. And it comes I back to integrity it. and planning well, and saying I'm going to read broadly and 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 be thoughtful in the way I do things. That yeah. Well, and I would notice Jordy and you, Jonathan. A, you're both left-handed, so there's, <laughs> yeah. So there's some... yeah. That's I was going to say. If you're left-handed, you have a huge advantage. So well, they're set apart. That they're way. set apart. But, but you're both very calculated in everything you said, not in a, a negative way, but in, in, in a way of saying, I'm going to make sure that I'm clear in what I really want to do. I mean, I have no calculator. In fact, I don't even have a calculator. So, <laughs> but, but, but is that something that's natural to both of you guys, that you're just calculated, like you're well thought out 
And is, is that what you would attribute a lot of your leadership skills to? I would say that, I mean, when I got hired here, I was like too young to really be hired here <laughs> and, and have the kind of role I did. And we had a lot of volunteers that I was leading. I was the youngest person of the whole youth ministry volunteer <laughs> team, and I was leading the team as the staff member. And so I, I think just the intimidation and humility of like, oh my gosh, like this is what I'm doing. I like would spend hours thinking about every move. Like so there's much. some real Christians in the room here and then there's me. <laughs> yeah, or like I'm going like, to correct this person who's done this way longer than I have, so I'm going to spend way too much time writing this email. And they could be my it. parent. Yeah. yeah. Just one quick backstory about Jordy. So I had a conversation <laughs> with Jordy was an intern or he was working and we needed a youth pastor and I said, we'd like you to be an interim, but uh, just so you know, uh, you're not eligible as a candidate. Uh, it's not going to work. I didn't want him to have an expectation. Uh, do you remember that conversation? Yeah. But in my back of my mind, I'm going, but could he possibly? I don't want him to feel the pressure of performing under that kind of, but, yeah. but could he? I started having advisors, youth advisors going, coming to us saying, you need to hire that guy. <laughs> That's amazing. And so it was interesting that uh, we then came back and circled back, but Jordy was operating as an interim guy under the expectation that there's nothing here. I have so a question we, for you. I'm sorry. Does that come natural, though, that you guys are so calculated, or is, is that a learned skill? I wonder, Jordy, if there's a little part of what you said, that I've often been in situations where I've been like when I went and I led on the CMA board, uh, the board of directors, and I was maybe the one of the youngest, I think maybe the youngest guy on the board when I was asked to be the chair. And I thought, I'm chairing a board, and all these people are, almost all of them are older than I am. And, and so I have to be really well prepared saying, Lord, I need to be close to you. There's going to be a sense of not just going, I'll just sort of wing it, but to be thoughtful in my approach. I, I think there were some times where I got to like, just be near someone or have a relationship with someone who I looked up to okay. in college. And maybe I would like in, maybe in like a formal time, really impress them. But then I would rant for a little bit too long and I would catch myself like maybe even like drowning my own reputation and like not well thought out things. And I think that just bothered me about myself, okay. you know, so mm. I really learned to tone that down. And for a while, I don't even think I liked being put on the spot because I didn't get to think about it, you know, but I think I've been able to blend the two more. That's awesome. So or, or, talking about the power of words, you, what you were describing earlier, Pastor Jonathan, was the... Uh, hero making principle that says it's four letters I C N U, and you know when you can look at somebody and say rather than say all the things they didn't do right, to say you know you did these things right. This is what I see you doing. Can you tell a story of where somebody did that for you, and it really impacted you and encouraged you to be able to take that next step in your life? Where if they didn't say that, maybe that would never have happened. Maybe you wouldn't have said yes to being on the board or other things because you, you felt, I don't think I am. Yeah, that's great. There have been numerous people along the way. Because some of you, if you've been around Grace for a while, you know that even like public speaking, I, I said when I was in high school in speech class, I said, Lord, I'll follow you in any area, but one thing I don't want to do is public speaking. <laughs> that is so funny. And uh, here I'm as a, you know, a guy who speaks a fair bit. But hey, so talk way too much. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I had people along the way, though, who, who would speak into my life. And just a couple of that I'll, I'll mention in particular, there was a, a person in my first pastoral position 
who was uh, a leader I respect. He was a college president, and he pulled me aside and said, can I take you out for breakfast? And I thought maybe I was in trouble. Sometimes I, in my insecurity, I'm like, oh, no, what did I do wrong? Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah, so he took me out, and he goes, I just want you to know that I see God at work in your life, mm -hmm. and I believe he's... And he spoke some things in my life where I left going, I wow. felt like someone had... Like I had this, I was this sailboat and he was this huge gust of wind. That's awesome. And, and so there's been a couple of times like that. And it's not always leaders who do it. It can be, if those of you who are listening in today, you can be a person who is, um, it might be a youth and the youth group who goes, Pastor Jordy, they're like an eighth grader and they go, you are making like one of the biggest impacts in my life that mm -hmm. I could ever imagine. You're like out of the mouth of teenagers or youth, you know, and... And so it can be any one of us, the power of words to yeah. speak like that. Yeah. I was even thinking about, you know, someone might say, well, I don't have a platform where I preach to X number of people every week, but I think you have to be that there's an obvious part, especially with cancel culture. My generation's like piranhas just waiting for you to slip. You <laughs> yeah. <know>? yeah. <laughs> they can tweet about it and take you down. But I think everyone's got to realize like you could be just say some things to people in the congregation, share some opinions that could really get you in the mud. And yeah. as your platform grows, you almost have to get more careful and calculated at different levels. And I think a lot of people don't really think about that in terms of like their social media, what they post or what do they say to their friends? Like if they were to go be the prince, if they went from teacher to principal, you know, yeah. what have they said to people about the school board that could sink them? You know, I, I have a story actually like that. I was at a local store and I was in line and I remember seeing a guy that I recognized. Now, this is during COVID. The masks were on and I think I had a baseball hat on. So it's really, I mean, it's really hard to recognize somebody. So this person did not recognize me. I was just about ready to approach them. And they leaned over, this guy leaned over. We're going to call, let's call him George. He leans over to the person next to him. Thought he was going to say my name. <laughs> yeah, it was Jordy. <laughs> and, and he says some choice thoughts about a woman who just walked by. Huh. Now, this is, a, this is a guy who is leading. And, you know, the impact that that has yes. on other people, the power of words. You know, if I was one of the guys who he influences, which I, I was, right? Um, but if let's say this is a guy in the, at his job or maybe in a Bible study that he leads. How could this have impacted me? Yeah. Pastor Jonathan, what what unique advice would you give to somebody who really wants their influence to count? Yeah. Well, you fit on one that's so clear because, you know, someone has said that we make deposits of trust like a dollar at a time, but we can make withdrawals of like three thousand dollars in one. Like that guy. That's good. Yeah. At the local hardware store. He made a withdrawal that you for the next two years are going to go. It's right. going to take him a long time for his trust to come back up. Mm. I love when it says about uh, David in Psalm 78. Um, it says that he led them with skillful hands and integrity of heart. Mm. So he had both competence and character. And I think we can work on both. And sometimes we'll emphasize one over the other. People say, you just have to, it's about all about being and not doing. And other people, you know, the pendulum shift to it's all about doing and not being. It really is both. And I think that Psalm says it so well that do I lead with integrity of heart? If people see me at a local hardware store or driving down the highway or wherever I am, would there be any question about my integrity if they could mm -hmm. see, you know, everything that I do and hear everything that I say? And then with skillful hands, am I continuing to grow 
in my leadership skill and just taking seriously saying, you know, when Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, he says, um, fan into flames, you know, uh, whatever you do, work diligently to, um, to develop the gifts that God has given you. Are we working diligently? There's nothing wrong with hard work and really giving attention to that. So I think I tell people, whether you have a position or not, you don't need a position. You don't need a title. Um, if when you, Scott, going back to what you said at the beginning about influence, you can influence by your integrity or by the way that you live. Remember the one story about the guy who they made a huge sale and, uh, and they're all going to go out to some like Hooters or I don't know where it was. And on the way back uh, to, to this place, he goes, Hey, would you guys mind dropping me off at the hotel? I'm just going to talk to my wife, want to call her tonight. Didn't say you guys are a bunch of like perverts or anything like that. He just... And, and when he got off, there was 10 people on the shuttle. When he got off the shuttle, four more guys followed him. And they were like, your example influenced me to follow you. And I don't know I would have done it without your wow. the courage in that moment. And that's the power. of That guy wasn't just speaking from a platform, whatever. It was the power of his integrity that had a huge impact. And, and I, I mean, you just go, you know, you go down the path of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when you're obedient mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit... And he says, get off the bus. Yeah. Or he says, put on your seatbelt. Or he says, whatever. It's when I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit is when good things happen. Even when you're swimming against culture, right? Yeah. Or right. swimming against the other right. opinions. Right. I think right now, like, you know, it's it's January right. of 2021. And we are seeing, I believe, we are in a time of, you know, Satan is distracting the church and distracting Christians with some things that are very confusing, um, like nationalism, fatalism, things that you can grab onto and you could clamp yourself onto because it, it sounds kind, you know, Satan can deceive us and he can twist the truth. And I think that's what's happening. But how do we maintain that difference? How, how do we become a peacemaker versus just a peacekeeper? Like mm-hmm. there's a difference between, you know, saying no to going, you know, to Hooters versus you're in the middle of a conversation with a group of guys they're all they they all have a similar you know bent as you and they're all let's say they're all christians and now they start talking about nationalism and they hook onto that as a christian yeah. how do you become a peacemaker in the midst of that versus a peacekeeper can you talk about the difference between the two right a peacekeeper is someone who just is like i don't want any conflict here so i'm just gonna like they're always walking on tiptoes, and they don't have the courage to say the hard thing. Hmm. And they miss opportunities, and then things fester, either for the other person or in the relationship, because something painful mm-hmm. was said, and yeah. instead of going, hey, Scott, when you made that comment to me uh, after that meeting, uh, I just want you to know, I, I don't know how you meant it, but I'm feeling like really wounded in my spirit, and I don't know if I misread what you were saying, or I could just let it go and say, I'm going to keep the peace, yeah. and I'm not going to say anything, but in my heart, I'm starting to grow this, a little bit of irritation with you. Yeah. So a peacemaker is going, Scott, I want our working relationship to be the best it can be, or in marriage, I want our marriage to be the best it can be. Something happened last night, and I know you were seeking to be funny, but in that, when we were out for dinner with those people, I, maybe I'm just being sensitive, that that cut like my flesh. Yeah. And it was tough. And it can be hard for a spouse to hear that or a friend or whoever. But I'm I'm saying I want our relationship to be at peace, not because we're unwilling to talk about conflict, 
but we step into conflict in a tough way. So back to the group of guys, it's hard in that moment to say, <laughs> hey, I'm feeling sort of uncomfortable with where this is going because I feel like I have some friends who are of that persuasion and uh, I think they're very genuine in the way that, you know, and, yeah. but how do you do that in a way that doesn't make us sound like you're all a bunch of idiots <laughs> right? Um, and you lose a relationship? So, so let me ask another question. Do you yeah. mind? No, go. Thank you, Pastor yeah. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, so someone like, like you and Jordy that are hunters, you killed a chipmunk one time, right? I did, man. Yeah. That, and, that was a big hunt for me. And you killed an elk. <laughs> Scott did it with just a piece of a stick. <laughs> it was a stick. <laughs> yeah, that ought to count. That's how gifted he is. And Jordy does the major game. Yeah. I cheat, though, yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> But anyway, uh, you know, we're talking to we're talking to men across the board here. We're not talking to the typical, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I stay I sit in an office all day long. We've got people here at Grace Church and on this podcast that are from every aspect. And so most times we don't talk about hunters anymore. I mean, it's probably politically correct. PETA and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah. But. But you're you're a manly man, you know. Yeah. And, and it feels weird to say yes to that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, yeah. yes. Thank you very much. Um, but when you're like, do you, when you're talking to the Utes, do you have a, a way of coming across that's unique to your personality? I mean, because again, people go, well, that's Jonathan. He was his dad was a pastor. He went to college. Mm-hmm. He's a doctorate of something of Jesus or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> And, and and but then you have Jordy that's you know he was a hunter. I mean you'd rather be in the woods and right. I'm very social. Hunting alone is hard for me. Actually, is yeah, it? I get is bored. Oh, yeah. yeah, I always try to get someone to come with me if possible. But from your perspective, when you're when you're telling someone a hard truth, do you think the same way Jonathan does, or how would you approach a tough yeah. conversation? Or yeah, I think um, I, I think for me like reasoning is very important and I think I try I try to answer the question like what would this person have to realize to make the shift or how are they thinking now I know I know that he's a leader who's you know fallen at this point in some ways but one thing I really learned from this person during their effective years was Ravi Zacharias always said answer the questioner yes you know Mm. not the question and Mm. I think that's I think that's the biggest thing see into their heart when you said I want to think what they're thinking yeah i want to try to say so what's their angle on this yeah yeah and so i think even when paul talks about you know being all things to all people i actually don't tell many hunting stories or just because i worry about you know the chasm that creates sure like, to, to me that's so secondary in the right audience he killed though, bambi yeah in, in the right audience i'd love to but. <laughs> Sometimes on a larger platform, it's just not worth it. And then, and then you, Scott, you're a peacemaker. I mean, you, you're, you'll go in, right? You'll, you'll sit down and say, let's have this conversation. Let's have this kind of hard conversation. Have you always been like that? Are you, are no, you, when I was younger, I avoided contact. I mean, as from a standpoint of leadership. But leadership, you, I think I, this is what I've embraced about conflict. And this is why I don't mind stepping into conflict. It's not that I love conflict. I've had some people say, well, you just love conflict. It's not that I love conflict. I love the result yes. of conflict. Okay. And you when love you, people. Yes. Yeah. When you step into conflict, similar to your letter that you wrote, Chris, when you step in, you're saying, I care enough about you to ask the hard questions because I want to get deeper to reveal either what's causing this to bubble up or maybe maybe there's healing that needs to happen in your life or maybe you're right and maybe there is, you know, un, something's unjust 
And we need to step into that now. And we were just talking about that. Yeah. In, injustices. Yes. They'll put you out of your mind. So for me, it's it's the result of conflict that I really embrace. And I don't like conflict. I, it's not fun. You know, but I think I've learned how to um, do it better over the years and do it without causing further pain. And if you can do that, and it's art, it becomes an art, it really yeah. does. But if you can do that simply by asking really good questions and going into it without a predisposition of what you think about okay. what they're going to say, and if you can go in open-handed and just say, I'm just going to ask questions and then go with where the, what they're saying, then so much good happens from that. And Scott, you're excelling in that craft. Um, when you and I have had something we've not seen eye to eye on, or maybe mm -hmm. there's been some kind of hurt... I know that you're going to come and talk to me, or I'm going to come and talk to mm. you. You guys have probably all had it when you find out that someone's talking about you instead yeah. of to you. Yes. And then you realize your trust level goes way down, and you think, and you talk to them about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, I should have come and talked to you. But you're wondering, the next time they have an issue with me, are they going to come and talk to me? Are they? Yeah. Going? So I know when I have tough conversations, and we've mentioned Chris, you and I, and Scott, you, you and I, and... Jordy and I never have conflicts. Because so <laughs> you're both but, left handed. Yeah. No. <laughs> but if there's a question, I know Jordy, you know, he's sometimes gently approached things, but I know that, hey, if we need to have the conversation, first I want to be the approachable kind of person where right. I say, even if this is hard, Jonathan, your first response, don't get defensive. Just say, thank you for coming to talk to me. Yeah. It really means a lot that you would talk to me about. I know it's really hard for you to do this, um, but the trust level goes up because in the end I say, if Scott has something, if he looked at me weird in the lobby or he didn't invite me to some kind of gathering or whatever, I know it's it's just because of life. It's If he has something to talk to me about, he's going to come and talk to me. And that that makes me, the levels of trust, the roots go really deep. Yeah. Well, Pastor Jonathan, wow. Thank you so much for taking the time just to share your leadership gleanings with us. You know, again, if we were to boil it all down, the one statement that we shared at the beginning is that leadership is simply influencing others who are in our circles of influence. And we believe that God's called all of us to lead in some capacity right where we're at. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back next Friday and do the same thing. So we're going to drop another one a week from now so that we can hear more from what God's been teaching Pastor Jonathan through his years of leadership so that those things can empower us to also step into the leadership that God's called us to. So hang on one week from now. It's unusual. We, we usually wait a month to drop our next one, but we don't want to wait a month to hear what God's taught you, Pastor Jonathan. So we're going to do it a week from today. And then, um, and then we'll be on our regular schedule for uh, once a month, the last Friday of every month. But Again, Pastor Jonathan, thank you. We can't wait to hear from you again and to hear more of what God's been teaching you. All right, guys, see you next week.